Blog Talk Radio. Bringing you excellent entertainment from the king of DC media. Here's the Inside Acting Radio Show. William Powell, a.k.a. the King of DC Media. Welcome to another sizzling episode of the Inside Acting Radio Show. So glad to have everyone tuning into the show. Tonight, my guest is Angela Cartwright from Lost in Space and the classic film The Sound of Music, both of which are 50 years old. And also TV's Make Room for Daddy. But before we bring Angela on, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Tonight. Tonight was a good night. You fought well. And for that, we have these fortunes. Some say that money is the root of all evil. But I don't believe that. Evil is the root of all money. And you, my big friend, you are evil. I'm Marshall Everett, and I don't always make money. But as a member of Fed Choice Federal Credit Union, I always save money. Fed Choice Federal Credit Union. Federally insured NCUA. Membership open to federal employees and their families. Fed Choice Federal Credit Union, a proud sponsor of the Inside Acting Radio Show. And if you want to advertise on this show, or if you're a playwright who'd like to hold a stage reading on this show, write me at william400 at yahoo.com. Also, check out my column, DC Actors Examiner. Find it via Google and follow me on Twitter at handle inside on the bar acting or Facebook at forward slash William.T.Pal. I see Angela Cartwright has joined us, so let me bring her on in. Good evening. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for inviting me. So let's just plunge right on in. So you're an author, and I know you're, you're, going to, you're doing a book with uh, Bill Moomy from Lost in Space. Uh, when will the book hit the shelves? Well, I have a couple projects, actually, with Bill. Um, First of all, we're doing a book called Lost and Found in Space. Um, I finished a book that came out last fall called Styling the Stars, Lost Treasures from the 20th Century Fox Archives, where I had been in the archives at the 20th Century Fox Studios and found all these amazing continuity photographs that people had never seen, nor were they ever meant to be seen by the public. And uh, Inside Editions published that book. It's a beautiful coffee table book that's like 300 pages. And it got us thinking, wait a minute, I think there's a lot of Lost in Space pictures also that people have never seen. And it is our 50th anniversary for Lost in Space. And we are all very excited about the Lost in Space Blu-ray coming out September 15th with all this additional footage. So if you're a Lost in Space uh, fan, you're going to love this. It's amazing, and it looks amazing. So Bill and I have put together this book. We're still working on it, and it will be out around the time of the Blu-ray. And then after that, we also wrote a novel. It's a fantasy adventure novel. And if you just stay tuned to my my website or sign on for my mailing list or my Twitter account, you can see when that's going to come out. But it's like totally different and 
has been a lot of fun writing that. Exactly. So what's some of your fondest memories from Lost in Space? Well, you know, as we're putting this book together, Lost and Found in Space, we're coming up, Bill and me, with all sorts of memories. It's kind of like going through the uh, the back files and remembering a lot of the stuff that happened on the set when we first met, when we shot the, the show, a lot of uh, funny anecdotes and bits and pieces. Um, you know, it was a great cast. We really had a lot of fun together. And, of course, every year was an adventure. You know, the first season's so totally different than the second and third season, which went to color. And, you know, um, I I don't know if there's a favorite. I know that my favorite episode was my friend Mr. Nobody. I loved the look of it, the black and white look and the, and the film. And also on the Blu-ray, we do some commentary that you can listen in on as you are watching those episodes. And maybe you've seen those episodes before in reruns or whatever, but on the Blu-ray, you will hear our thoughts as we watched it um, up on the big screen. And, oh my gosh, what came out of it was really very, very interesting and fascinating. So you'll hear on that a lot of my favorite uh, favorite moments and things I remember. Right on, right on. So how did you juggle work and school? Well, you know, when you are in show business and you're a minor, you have to go to school for three hours every day. And, you know, I started working when I was three years old. So I kind of never knew any different as far as schooling as to, you know, going in, you do your work, and then you're called to the set and you do your lines and then you go back to the schoolroom and you do your math and then you leave and you do your lines. And, you know, you get very disciplined doing it and being able to concentrate. And, you know, you're just able to do it and you fulfill your requirements for whatever grade it is. So, you you know, you get your education. I always wondered whether it was that good or not, but it actually has uh, has serviced me very well. And I think it was a good education. It was, you know, private tutoring so you get to concentrate on the things you have problems with and the things that you kind of get. You get to kind of move along and get through. Mm-hmm. So you had an onset uh, acting coach? No, not an acting coach. Um, that was, you know, in the schoolhouse, there's a welfare worker. And then my mom went with me to the set every day. Um, okay. You know, I was just always able to kind of put myself in that other person's place and in their position. Oh. And, you know, that's really what acting is. It's kind of embracing the character that you're doing. It came kind of naturally to me from a very young age. You know, I was born in England, and, you know, the first series I did was The Danny Thomas Show. Went for seven right. years. And here I played, you know, the daughter of a a, a, com- a comedy star in Brooklyn, New York, you know, so yeah. <laughs> I kind of kind of lost my accent and, you know, just kind of embraced that. <laughs> wow, amazing. Now, you you mentioned that uh, you're going to be doing commentary on the Blu-ray. I have to hit you with this. The Great Vestable Rebellion, I just can't imagine what you guys would have to say about that episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was quite an episode. It actually was voted by TV Guide as one of the best worst shows 
<laughs> episodes. <laughs> yeah, that was really reaching. But you know what? People don't forget it. Not often. Yeah. Jonathan Harris dressed up as a piece of celery, you know? Um, oh. Yeah. But I remember reading that script and going, oh, my gosh, we are really in trouble here. But, uh, yeah, that was quite an episode to, to film. Yeah, I think one of your co-stars said, uh, one of the writers said, man, it's, it's, it's ran out of ideas. Yeah, yeah, I remember hearing that story. He didn't have one more idea left in his brain, and that's what he came up with. But, you know, we had lots of fun episodes, and, you know, a lot of them seemed to really be out there and kind of odd, but in reality, it's kind of all come about in the last, you know, 15, 20 years, so... Uh, you know, it took a lot of imagination to imagine a, a family in space and on a planet and being able to coexist up there with aliens. And, you know, it's it's always something that's kind of just grabbed people's imaginations. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So how has the business changed since you've been in it? Well, there's a lot more people vying for parts, I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot more competition than there was. Um, I think social media has really changed the face of show business and in a lot of ways. There used to be a lot of kind of glamour and mystique about show business and, you know, everything was kind of glamorous. And I think that that peek behind the curtain kind of takes away some of the, you know, the it becomes more like a machine rather than, than something that's spontaneous. Um, you know, having gone through that part of show business that, you know, was so new, you know, the Danny Thomas show was like one of the very first sitcoms with family. And we did it three camera and we did it live every week in front of a live audience. Like it was a, an individual play. Um, there was, you know, kind of an excitement about that. And now, you know, when you film, you, you know that if you screw up, you can always retake it. You know, they kind of go back and, and do it again. Um, I don't know. I, I miss kind of everything's got kind of a formula for success now. And that's kind of sad in a way. It, it's hard to come up with anything kind of new and original. Exactly, exactly. So how did you land the role of uh, Linda Williams? Well, it's kind of a an amazing story actually I kind of just think it was it was my path to uh, kind of be in show business it certainly wasn't anything my my family thought that my sister and I would delve into you know I was born in England we came to America because my mother loved the ocean and wanted to live by the ocean in a lot warmer place than England and you know we were a young family and we came down through Canada we came over on the boat and uh, immigrated to uh, Los Angeles. And our next-door neighbor had a child that was in show business, and she was with an agent who was looking for other kids. And both my sister and I went, and, and she really thought we were, you know, terrific. We had a great look. My sister had a very all-American look, even though she was British too. And we just, you know, went on the interviews and... We just got the things that we went on. So, it, you know, we started very young, and my sister still is an amazing actress and continues to work, you know, uh, for all her life she's worked in, in show business. 
and done a, a variety of roles. She's like a chameleon. She just kind of puts on a, a different different role and can just embrace it so beautifully. Uh, you know, it was just kind of fate that, you know, I got on a series that lasted for seven years. And then from that, I, I got into that little movie called The Sound of Music. That was, um, you know, I, I couldn't have asked for a, a more wonderful movie to be a part of. What an honor to be part of this this movie that people have embraced and loved and still love to this day. We're celebrating our, our 50th anniversary this year. And people just adore this movie. You just get suckered into it. It's it's a beautiful yeah. story, and it's beautifully filmed by Robert Wise. Yeah. yeah. And um, there's something that just worked about it. And then from that, I did Lost in Space. I was on that for three years. You know, so my career just kind of, you know, just kept going. Absolutely. So describe your screen test for The Sound of Music. Well, uh, I went on an interview, and uh, there were, you know, pretty much everyone in Hollywood and New York and Europe were interviewed for the parts of the Von Trapp children. And uh, I was called back and, and asked if I would do a scene as Brigitte and also do a scene as Louisa. And okay. if they were just trying to put together families, um, the, you know, a family that worked. And Robert Wise, he was you know, a bit of a renegade. He he wanted to do things a little differently. He he had wonderful vision, I think. He created the first, uh, you know, MTV, well, movie video. kind of video, you know. Yeah. That, that musical Do-Re-Mi that takes you all over Austria, all over mm-hmm. Salzburg, shows you the beautiful locations while singing this song. Uh was brilliant, really brilliant for that, that era. And also, I think he, you know, cast a lot of the kids with darker hair, and he cast a dark-haired Captain Von Trapp. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they weren't all just blonde. They were real kids. And he he just really had a talent for kind of putting together this family. And when I talk to people, everybody relates to some character in The Sound of Music. There's very few people that haven't seen it by now. Um, Right. They live in a cave. Um, you know, it has gone around the world so many times for so many years and been translated into many languages. And, um, you know, people love this movie. So it just continues to march on, and that's just something so wonderful. Oh, so my my thing is I went in, and, and on camera I did the Brigitte scene, uh, uh-huh. the one that says, I'm Brigitte, she's Louisa, you know, I'm, 10 years old, and you're smart, right. that scene. And then I, they put me in a blonde wig, and I did a Louisa scene. And they obviously felt I was more Gita than Louisa, which I always felt I was, too. But I was the first one cast as a fam- in the family, and uh, that's kind of cool. And uh, it was, you know, such a great production to be a part of. Right on, right on. So did you find yourself having to learn a lot of... Uh, New skills. I mean, how how was your singing skills? How was your movement and all that? I mean, did you find yourself on set having to really apply yourself to to really learn all those routines? Well, yeah, it was very intense. Um, yeah, you know, I had always taken singing and dance. I had sung and dance on the Danny Thomas show, even. Um, yeah. So it was that was a part of me, and that came very easy to me. The English accent came very easy to me, also, uh, but. You know, they made this film. It took us a year to make The Sound of Music. 
that's kind of unheard of these days. We need yeah. those routines inside and out. You know, they they built a faux set of stairs so we could learn, you know, so long farewell. And, you know, we had um, the kind of the do-re-mi in different sections so that we knew where we were going to be singing these different parts of the song. And we practiced being on the bicycle and, and that whole movement. There's a, a lot of, you know, coordination that goes into something like that. But we rehearsed it so many times, and we knew every song inside and out. And, you know, we never stopped filming because we had screwed up on on something. Um, the choreography was, you know, ingrained in our mind, and it still is to this day. I can go on those <laughs> steps, and I still know my song, my, my part going on Do Re Mi. I mean, it's just so much a part of me. So yeah. rehearsal, you know, just rehearsal over and over and over again until we just knew it inside and out. And we did our own yeah. singing. We went in and, and did the recordings, and they would do it, you know, to a playback, like on the, the, the hill, and, and we would sing to that, but that was all our own singing. Yeah, muscle memory over and over and over, repetition. Yeah, exactly. But it was it was fun. It was really fun doing that, and we did know when we were filming when we went to Austria, and you know it was it's such a magnificent city Salzburg is, um, and it still looks the same to this day, which is is quite remarkable. And um, stay tuned to my website because I have some uh, really exciting uh, trips, art trips, and a Santa music trip coming up, and that's going to be next year, and you can actually be a part of that. So you need to go to my Angela-Cartwright.com. It's not up there yet, but it will be in the next couple of weeks. No, oh, right on. Right yeah, on. fun. You, you're the first to hear that. That was just released, by the way. <laughs> All right, an exclusive on the Inside yeah. Acting Radio Show. There you go. So you what? can go travel with me. You can do art with me. It's going to be fun. Fantastic. Right on. Yeah. So what's your favorite thing from the film? My favorite, Sorry. Uh, uh, favorite scene from the film? Oh, my favorite scene. Yeah. From Sound of Music. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, as I mentioned, I do think Joe Remy was so brilliant. Um, I love the scene where the captain is singing to us, where we kind of finagle him into getting the guitar and singing, because I think that's such a turning point in the movie. Where what I was thinking of when I was watching him sing was that, you know, my mother had died. I missed him singing. I missed that part of our lives as a family together. And I remember that those were the things I was thinking of. You know, Robert Wise came up to me and goes, why are you so sad? And I said, well, I'm thinking about my mom is gone. And I haven't heard my dad sing like this for a long time. And he said, oh, that's good. That's really good. And then he just walked away. You know, sometimes people say, why, why are you, like, crying in there? And as, a, as Brigitta, that's what Brigitta would have been feeling. That's where her head would be at. And that's where mine went when I was doing the scene. So I'd have to say that's one of my favorite. Doe Mee's my favorite. Um, and I do love So Long Farewell. That was a fun one to do. I enjoyed doing that. Right on, right on. You seem to be a, a real natural. Have you ever taught acting? Have I ever... Taught acting. Taught acting? No, yeah. I haven't. I've taught art before, um, which is, you know, another part of 
kind of reaching into your your id, as to speak, and and kind of just putting on paper where your head's at and how you feel, and there's no right or wrong to that. So I have taught art and enjoyed that immensely and enjoyed watching people kind of grow um, while doing art that they never thought they could do before. That's kind of fun. But no, I have never taught acting. All right, all right. So uh, we're going to switch gears a little bit here now. I had a friend of mine said that you were in an episode of a show called Whirly Birds with Ken Toby, the man who killed the thing. Tell me about that. Oh, I barely remember it. I think I was three <laughs> years old. I was in an episode of Whirly Birds, though. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he'd have to tell you what it was about. I, You know, I haven't seen that. I, I mean, I know I did it, but I was so young. And, you know, a lot of these shows you never get to see again. That's why it's it's been so cool to have these reruns of Danny Thomas' show. And just this last week, a movie I did for Disney called Lad, a Dog, which is uh-huh. about the dog Lad. It's Albert um, uh, Tremaine's famous story of this dog, this collie named Lad. Um, I made that movie uh, a little over 50 years ago with Carol O'Connor, who played my dad. I think it was his first movie role. Uh, Peggy McKay and Peter Breck are in it. It's a wonderful family film. And that has just come out on DVD, um, on demand. And you can get it on Amazon. And I was thrilled to see that because it is, it's a great movie to sit and watch with your kids. And there are people who remember seeing it as a kid and love that movie, but it was only available on VHF. And now it's available on DVD. Finally! So... That's a really cool movie to pick up sometime if you want to sit with your family and see something wholesome but nail-biting and kind of sad and joyous and, you know, just like those old movies used to be. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So who was your favorite director to work with? Well, I remember Robert Wise the most, I must say out of all mm-hmm. my directors. I mean, on television, you usually get a different director every week. But I'd have to say Robert Wise sticks in my mind. He had the patience of a saint. I mean, he was working with seven children. Uh, though professional, you know, they still were seven kids. And I remember him saying, okay, we're going to do a beauty take now. This is a beauty <laughs> take. And uh, he really, he really you know, would come up to you and and kind of one-on-one kind of say, you know, okay, this is, you know, could you give more energy or whatever it was that he was asking at the time. Uh, He had such a vision and he knew what he wanted from those kids. A couple of the kids, you know, had never made a movie before. Really, Nicholas and Hammond, uh, Nicholas Hammond, Kim Carath and myself were the only ones that had worked on such a big scale. Everybody else, including Charmian Carr, uh, had never made it a movie before. So he got an awful lot out of kids. He really wanted that natural, unaffected kind of uh, acting in in the movie itself. And I think it really works. You know, it's not kind of this affected, these affected bond trap children, you know. It, it, they're real. And that's one of the reasons I think people really enjoy those characters. So I'd say Robert Wise was my uh, 
the, the director that stuck in my mind the most. Exactly. So what's been your favorite role? To say, because, yeah. um, you know, they're kind of different periods in my life. Uh, I was, you know, this little smart aleck kid when I was, you know, Linda Williams, so different from what I was at home. My parents were never, like, gregarious like, you know, Danny and Kathy were. So that was kind of cool to play. And then, uh, you know, this Sound of Music, I mean, that was awesome. Julie Andrews was amazing to work with, and we loved her. We just adored her. And Lost in Space, you know, it was a fun cast and and kind of this imagination that – went into every every episode and we really loved doing that and it was kind of you know during space was kind of this final frontier that had been kind of untapped uh that was really super cool so you know and then as i grew up and i did more adult roles i mean there's nothing i can't really pick one out specifically because i must say i've really thoroughly enjoyed the kind of parts that i've been able to portray and be in the the roles that I've been able to be. So I don't have an answer for you on that one. <laughs> That's, <laughs> all, right. That's all right. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, let's talk about, um, now I know that you shared the screen with Red Skelton. How did you get that gig? Well, um, if you're referring to um, the Danny Thomas show when he came and, and was a guest on that, is that what you're referring to? Um, yeah. I think I also did the Red Skelton show when I was a kid. You know, uh, it's just like any other job. You know, you get called and, and asked to do these shows. You know, Danny Thomas was number one on the uh, ratings for so many years. And I think, you know, you're... People loved it. They loved tuning in. We had Bob Hope. We had Bing Crosby. We had Milton Berle. You know, we had Pedliner at the time on that show, you know, because Danny was a big, you know, comedy guy, and, and he used to go and play Vegas. And um, so we could get all those people on our show. Lucille Ball, we did a couple of shows with her. Hmm. So, you know, I, I don't know. It just came about, and I did two specials. They were called um, Kids or People. And uh, Ghost Goblins and Kids, which was totally hosted by myself and uh, Jay North and Teddy Rooney and was on one of them. And uh, the other one was, uh, who was it? Ted, um, I can't remember who. Jerry Mathers, myself, Flip Wilson. And oh, yeah. uh, we hosted the show, and we were totally kids, and the whole show was totally kids. And kid entertainers and kid doing dog shows and kids doing trapeze acts and whatever they did. And and that was really fun. I remember doing that, the dinosaur show. We took over for her twice. That was really cool. Exactly. So uh, what do you remember about Room 222? Well, that was a popular show that was on. Um, I was on the 20th lot. Lost of Space had ended. And they kind of wanted me to stay there because they wanted to put me into something else. So I did a lot of their shows at the time. I did Room 222. I did Adam 12. Um, you know, that was just, I, I did High School USA. Um, just, a, you know, different shows that needed someone that was, you know, I was, what, 
18 at the time, 17, 18. And so, you know, they just put me in different things to do different guest star roles. And I don't remember much else, except I'm still friends with David Jolliffe, who was on that show. I did go into school with him on the school lot. Hmm. Along the way, um, have you ever had the occasion to do performances that were live? I mean, things like um, stage. You seem to be so natural on TV and film. So what's what's your view of the stage? You know, I did a couple stage things. I, I think I think the stage does grasp particular people. Um, they're drawn to it. They love to exercise that, you know, acting muscle every night, doing the same role over and over again. Started my career in a show that was different every week and you know, I, I was never as drawn to the stage as I was to being, you know, in the movies or on television. Um, I did do a couple plays, but I can't say that I was like, you know, like, oh, my God, I've got to get on the stage again. And I know there's people like that. They just, you know, feel that it's it's where they belong and what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of actors that, that, that swear by the stage. I mean, like you know, Denzel is like, you know, he, he uh, came up and did a lot of work on the stage, and a lot of people say that's that's really they found their strength and they kind of found their voice there, and they they kind of moved on. To well, film I think it's there. great too for kids that are in school, you know, yeah. to do theater and to be on the stage. I mean, when you think about it, Danny Thomas show done live every week was like a stage production. We yeah. were in front of a live audience, a full live audience, every single week. And we learned new lines, and we put on a new show every week. So it it was, you know, for seven years for me, you know, the whole show lasted 11 years. But, you know, I was brought in as Marjorie's daughter. Um, that did have a stage feel about it, and there there is a great discipline that goes with that. You know, I feel like if you're going to be an actor and you're going to take on that role of being a professional, then you need right. to, you know, do whatever you can to... Uh, you know, exercise that, you know, acting and be as many roles as you possibly can because sometimes, you know, you get locked into being a particular kind of role and there's nothing more boring than that, I think. I love a <laughs> casting person that can see beyond the pale and say, wow, yeah, this is an actress. This isn't just a person who plays, you know, this same role over and over again. You know, you put a makeup crew and your wardrobe, and you can take on a different persona. You don't have to, you know, just always wear the same thing. So, I, and I meant that, you know, as a kind of, you know, wearing clothes, but wearing, you know, a, this part, this particular part. Like, it seems if you play a crazy person, they always cast you as a crazy person. Right. And that drives me crazy because I feel like uh, if you're an actor or an actress, you could play all different kinds of roles. You don't have to play the same role over and over again if you're a real actor. Right. Well, you know, I've heard that casting directors, they they tend to have a lack of imagination. I heard a story one time of a guy that uh, came in and uh, he was like a, played like a tatted up kind of, wild character and then at the end of the 
all this, and he, he got the, he booked the role, but then the casting director, uh, they were like, uh, kind of like having a conversation, and then the guy was saying like, well, you know, in real life, I'm not really like this. And it just like killed the moment, and the guy wound up losing the role. <laughs> I mean, God. Well, <laughs> I would hope not. <laughs> I would hope that you're not like always, you know, if you're a killer, you're a real killer in life. I mean, come on. This is an acting role. Actors, I, it's sometimes, you know, people embrace those roles, and they believe that these people are really like that. That's, yeah. You know, pretty pretty bizarre. Oh, you know, yeah. that perspective, oh, yeah. so. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> so what's your favorite actress working today? Well, what I'm doing right now is I'm just doing a lot of authoring. I mean, I, I did the Styling the Stars book, um, which you should really take a look at if you can. It, it is quite fascinating with all the uh, the actors, the um, you know movie stars of uh, you know up until the 70s. We'd start in the 1930s. I uh, co-authored the book with Tom McLaren and took us two and a half years in the archives at 20th, you know, to get all those pictures straight and, and pull, pull the ones that were the most fascinating. So I, I did that book. I've got the, the Lost and Found book coming out about Lost in Space, and that will be coincide with the Blu-ray and then my novel, On Purpose. And then I'm doing those traveling, you know, art uh, tours, which I will have up on my website. Um, you know, I write all the time. I do art all the time. I have exhibits. I sell my art. Um, I have two grandchildren now, which I'm totally thrilled about because that is really an adventure. And I just love it. I love it. So, you know, life is, is really good. I'm, I'm very blessed. And, uh, I just try to grasp every day as a, a new journey. Exactly. So how can fans keep up with you? I have my Angela-Cartwright.com website, which um, I control, so the stuff goes up there as soon as I can. I just left Comic-Con, and I'm going to be going to Galacticon, which is in Seattle, and it's a, a convention, and the whole Lost in Space cast will be there. Uh, well, four of us will be there. And if you live in that area or want to fly into Seattle, that would be awesome, and that's the end of the month. That's uh, the, the 30th, 31st. And um, so that's a good place to find me. If you want to look at my art, it's acartwrightstudio.com. And there I have links to all my art exhibits and the kind of art that I do. i photographer. I hand-paint my photographs. And any workshops that I have coming up or those tours that I was talking about, They'll all be on the website, and you can follow me there. And hopefully, you know, you'll come out and, and meet me. Right on, right on. Well, uh, thanks again for coming on the show. You've been a great guest. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed talking to you. It's kind of fun to, to go back through uh, your past and kind of remember those those wonderful moments and, and good times. So. Thanks for having me on and, and letting me chat. Well, you're welcome, Angela. Okay, well, you have a great night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And, dear listeners, let me leave you with this quote from The Sound of Music from Julie Andrews. 
Perseverance is failing 19 times and succeeding the 20th.